This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's, it's time. It's time for kickoff. Kickoff versus the end zone touchdown with Boomer Asiason and Mike Valenti. All right, and away we go, people. A little off week, a little bye week here in like week twenty something. Booms, how are you? I'm doing great. I finally thought out from our uh, NFL Today show at uh, Arrowhead. It was freezing, Mike. I got to tell you, the wind was whipping. And when you're standing down on that field and you're not playing and you're not able to sit on a heated bench, uh, it it gets kind of uh, very – well, actually, it gets very uncomfortable. But I have to say, being there real time and listening to the fans and being a part of something like that is really truly a privilege. And Arrowhead is a you know one-of-a-kind place that uh, seems like we're going to be there a lot over the next 10 years. Yeah, there's also, you know, that's a stark reminder how dumb the idea is, even the mention it is, of neutral site championship games. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, if you're if you're Jerry Jones, like, I think we talked about this last week, if you're Jerry Jones and the Cowboys finally make it to an NFC championship game and you're going to take your team to Atlanta yeah. uh, at some sort of, uh, you know, neutral site game, no way. You want your no fans shot. to celebrate and to support their team, much like the, uh, the Chief fans did on Sunday. So let's do this. Let's start out with... The early slate, and then we'll get to the KC-Cincy game because I think that's the one you and I are going to focus on more. Look, the early game, I feel terrible saying it. Boomer, I don't know what to take away based on that was outer space, what happened to the Niners. Already on a third-string quarterback, lose Brock Purdy, lose the backup. They're, They're full wildcat like it's 1953. I had a hard time taking a lot out of it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing. You could take Hassan Reddick <laughs> and say, yeah, man, yeah. what a first half he had. I mean, he was all over the field. And, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, like, how are you blocking tight ends with, you know, uh, on, on defensive ends and edge rushers like a Hassan Reddick? You know, what that shows me is that Kyle Shanahan was trying to block seven men. He was trying to make it easy for Brock Purdy. He was yeah. trying to make it, you know, so he could just drop back and just let it go. But you, you, you are definitely getting yourself in a mismatch type of situation. And a lot of times when you're doing stuff like that, people will bring in an extra offensive lineman, line him up as a, uh, a, a you know, an ineligible, you know, receiver at tight end and ask him to do the blocking. But then all of a sudden you're taking all the guessing game out of the, uh, the, the pass game for the Philadelphia Eagle defense. If you do that. So it was really unfortunate. I mean, and I knew as soon as he got hit that this thing, uh, was bad. And, you know, it was lucky when I was thinking about this that Josh Allen had the same type of hit against the Jets, and he was lucky he did not tear his UCL. Yeah. And as we found out on Monday morning, you know, Brock's going to have major surgery. And that game was over the moment that he got hurt because, you know, there's no way that Josh Johnson's going to be able to play. And then he gets hurt. And then I do give Purdy a lot of credit for going back in there because that arm and that elbow just had to be so painful. And I'm sure that there were shock waves going through it. Yeah, well, and, and here's the other thing, and I don't 
Look, I like the Eagles going into the game. I, I, whether Purdy plays or not, clearly it's a more competitive game. But, Boomer, the way that the Eagles played, and specific to the ground game, and the way Lane Johnson played, Lane Johnson was incredible, playing with a torn abductor, at least that's what's reported. His work against Bosa, that line, because Hertz wasn't very good throwing it, but they just lined up and smashed. And, I mean, I, I do wonder whether San Francisco would have had an answer. Like, it just... Basically, the Eagles look like Alabama in their prime. You're going to eat pizza today whether you want pizza or not. That's right. And and you're saying that Jalen Hurts didn't have to do much. I mean, he was 15 to 25 for 121 yards. But, you know, when you're dominating the opposing team and the opposing team loses their starting quarterback and then loses the backup to the third-string quarterback, now all of a sudden, you know, it, you, you get the route is on. I mean, they had no chance offensively San Francisco – and you know Nick Sirianni just said, you know what? We just we don't have to really do much. Our defense is right. going to control this entire game. And now, however, going into Super Bowl Fifty Seven against a quarterback that is superhuman and who normally puts up thirty points, can they do to Kansas City what Tampa Bay did to Kansas City a few years back in Tampa Bay for that Super Bowl? That will be the that will be the question moving forward that we'll get into next week. Yeah, and, and you know, as far as Hurts goes, look, I think lightly touching on the Super Bowl, and we'll do our first looks next segment, is my sole concern with Philly is going to be Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. And part of it is I can't, you know, Boomer, we've talked about it for weeks now. There's no way to prove or disprove what's going on in that shoulder, but he just hasn't looked the same throwing it. Now, here's the other side. What could you take out of a game against the Giants that they were just so superior in? He didn't have to do a lot. Then you go in this game. All right, every quarterback dies. Well, didn't have to do a lot. So maybe, maybe he's in better shape than we think, or maybe this is just what it's going to be, and they're going to have to reformulate who they are, which is we're going to line up and smash. Well, I don't know. What's your take on it? Well, my take is that the Eagles have been great in the first half pretty much the entire season, especially mm. with him when he was playing at his best in the middle of the season. Remember, another two weeks off, uh, give that uh, collarbone area – uh, a little bit more rest, and I, I got to believe that he is going to be 100%. I mean, totally 100%. And then the question will be whether or not Patrick Mahomes will be 100% coming off of that ankle injury. Because even though he played well and he had big numbers against Cincinnati, I, I you know, I still think that he was somewhat compromised. And even though he yeah. made the nice run at the end and got the penalty at the end of the run that gave them the opportunity to kick the game-winning field goal, he was, he's so good and he's so great uh, that I think – that Jalen Hurts is going to have to match points in this game. It's not going to be like the previous two games. I, I can't remember a team that has gone into the playoffs uh, so significantly uh, the way the Eagles have in their first two playoff games this year. Yeah. No, and, and again, just for an, an early little note, I mean, the total's been posted. It was out 49 and a half. It's now approaching going to 51. So it's moving and grooving. And that's a big total for a Super Bowl. So you're you're – you're right on with where the market thinks the game's going to be. Let's go to Chiefs Bengals, 23-20. Um, I mean, it was just, as a fan, it was an absolute classic. It was awesome. It was awesome to watch. Um, I wanted to get your take first on Mahomes. Look, we all know the ankle. I thought it was incredibly gutty. You heard, you know, his game time approach. I think you guys talked about it on your pregame as well. Four or five hours of treatment a day. He battled, man. And, I mean, look straight up, he outplayed Burrow. 
and he did it damn near on one leg. I, I just couldn't be more impressed. It was almost like him reminding the world, hey, I'm still here, guys. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here. Yep. Uh, it was incredible. Yeah, and they only scored 23 points, and they did not score a touchdown in the fourth yep. quarter again against Lou Anarumo's defense. That's four games in a row where they haven't been able to score a lot of points. I mean, and we knew this was going to be a close game because they always play post uh, close games. And you would think with these two quarterbacks that are playing, I thought it was going to be a higher, much higher scoring game than it ended up turning out to be. But like I said, the weather wasn't conducive for a big offensive explosion. And where where I missed in this game is I thought the Bengals wide receivers were going to be able to dominate the game uh, against a very young secondary. Three uh, rookies back there, and and, uh, Sneed gets hurt early in the game. And I'm thinking, all right, let's go, man. We could start throwing here. The problem is, and I told you this last week, that it they are different than the Buffalo Bills in the fact that they have a guy by the name of Chris Jones. And when Chris Jones wants to play and wants to be a game wrecker, you know, he can be that. And that's exactly what it turned out to be. And he was the guy, much like Aaron Aaron Donald did to the Bengals offensive line last year in the Super Bowl, that came up with the big play at the big moment and he yeah. got the big sack. So uh I can't say enough about Mahomes. I think that these two teams are gonna be playing a lot of playoff games. Uh, together over the next 10 years because of these two quarterbacks. And what's really going to be interesting now to watch this offseason is to see how much the Bengals end up paying Joe Burrow and how much the L.A. Chargers end up paying uh, Justin Herbert. I mean, is is Burrow basically the contract that Lamar wanted? Five to 250 fully guaranteed? I, mean, I think it's going to be more than that. Thing? I think it's going to be more than that. Yeah, I do. I think it's going to be like 7 350 Something like sure. that. And uh will make it four hundred while we're at it. Well, why not? It's not my money. I mean, it's the Bengals' he, money. No, nah, he gets whatever he wants. The cap's gonna go up every year. There's no quarterback, arguably, that you'd objectively rather have than this kid. And he's transformed the entire franchise. He can command whatever he wants. It's gonna have a five or a six in front of it, well, no question. Well, the big thing for him and for that franchise is how how far out do they go? How much guaranteed money does he get? And how does that impact the salary cap? And are they able to keep T. Higgins? You know, T. Higgins is going into the final year of his contract in 2023. He's a second-round draft pick. So he's like in the same situation that Debo Samuel was for the 49ers last year. And he's an important part of this offense. And the question is, do the Bengals, are they able to pay him and Jamar Chase? Because they'll have to do Jamar next year. Uh, And if they can't, do they trade T. Higgins, and do they go out and draft another wide receiver, which seems to be the most likely thing that they're going to end up doing, and maybe they get uh, uh, you know a haul back for T. Higgins because he showed throughout the season uh, that he could be a number one receiver anywhere in this league. Yeah, and, I, and again, I, I hate being flippant about it because I know the value of first-round picks, but if I'm sitting there in the middle of the first round and I'm faced with taking the third or fourth wide out off the board or – giving up a first-round pick to go get T. Higgins, and with it, handing out a $100 million contract. I mean, T's going to make, what would you say, 21, 22 a year as yeah. the team's number one? Yeah, it seems, it seems about right. I mean, you saw what uh, Tyree Kill got. You saw what Debo yeah. Samuel got. Christian Kirk got a new contract from Jacksonville. I mean, he's like right in that box. And uh, yeah. the, and because the money has gone up uh, so significantly now with the, the salary cap, then he'll benefit from that just like Justin Herbert will and just like Joe Burrow will. One note on Chris Jones, too, just to nerd out for a second, and then I had a, a game-planning thing. You know what was amazing when you watch it, Boomer, is, and, and a lot of people, like, they don't recognize that the defensive linemen, you're, you're reading a lot of what that O-line's doing, the set, the depth. So, like, on some of these, 
Chris Jones is watching that right tackle, and the tackle was kind of back a little bit. It did and the Bengals yep. like to do a lot of that backside pull where he's going to you know, dip out and get cross formation. It was amazing because Jones, anytime there was one of these mild tells, you're watching it, he exposed it. All of those splash plays, the play he blew up Mixon in the backfield, it was the same thing where <laughs> the tackle, he knew what that tackle was doing, and he got to that spot. Like, the cerebral element of it. Like, you got to be a monster to play as it is, but you got to be wickedly smart to do it, too. And Jones had an amazing day. He did. And, you know, they asked him after the game about, you know, this particular game and what it meant to him. And he said, you know, he's been sitting on the loss from last year's AFC Championship game to the Bengals. And he wanted to come out and he wanted to make, obviously, uh, an impact in this game, which he did. The other thing, too, is that the whole Burrowhead comments and the Cincinnati mayor and all that stuff, and you wonder... It's too much. It is too much. And the, I, I know from personal experience that all, you're always looking for an edge. Every coach is looking for an edge. Every player is looking for an edge. And it sounds ridiculous because it really has nothing to do with the game. But, you know, in the back of right. your mind, you're thinking, number one, we lost last year to this team. They were smoking cigars in a locker room. Number two, the Cincinnati mayor is making proclamations about how Joe Burrow is the daddy of Patrick Mahomes, which is, you know, asinine. And You and, can laugh. I knew they were dead the minute that guy said that. Right. I go, there's no way. There's no way Mahomes is going to allow this. And then you got Mike Hilton saying after the Buffalo game that they're going to Burrowhead. I yeah. mean, you know, you're asking for problems. And, and you saw how everybody reacted from the Chiefs side after the game was over. And certainly Travis Kelsey, I think, said it for everybody. When he said, you know, know your role and shut your mouth, uh, you jabroni. So, yeah, so the jabronis ended up uh, leading the uh, the Bengals to, to a loss. Two quick notes. One, um, the game planning stuff. I was surprised neither team could get the running game going. This is where I got the game wrong, was the Chiefs had nothing on the ground. It was 84 passes to 35 runs, yeah. total scrimmage plays. Neither team did a thing on the ground. I was I was very surprised, and especially – Look, Kansas City lost basically every healthy receiver they had. Every receiver disappeared except MVS. It was crazy. Were you surprised nobody could run it either way? I thought I, we were going to see more of Isaiah Pacheco. I really did. And uh, yep. I didn't see enough for him for my liking. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you win the game, you know, whatever you did seemed to work. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is superhuman. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, he threw the ball uh, exceptionally well. I, I know that ankle was bothering him. You saw him rolling to his left and kind of pivoting on that right ankle and trying to throw it. And he, you know, was really hobbling after that because it probably felt like an electric uh, bolt going through his uh, his ankle. But, you know, to me, it's uh, it was a little bit uh, disheartening that they didn't run as much as they did. But it also just goes to show you how great Patrick Mahomes is that yeah. with all of his receivers out, that he could still find guys, and of course Travis Kelsey being one of those guys, to make plays and to get – to get first downs and to throw a key touchdown pass to Valdez Scantling was just brilliant. And that was right under the outstretched arms of Mike Hilton, one of the best nickelbacks in all of yeah. uh, slot corners in all of the NFL. So real quick, I got, I'll got i ask. I hate this topic, but like, let's just get it out of the way. A lot of people upset, officiating, expedited reviews, and, and we've talked about it. I love the expedited review. they got to do a better job explaining to people what's happening here. But And then the final play with Osai, the roughing – 
Any issues across the board officiating-wise from, from your perspective? I know it's frustrating for Bengals fans. It's frustrating for us as analysts to try to explain what the officials are doing. The one area where I know everybody got upset was on the third down call where, you know, the play was run. The uh, the Bengals had stopped the Kansas City Chiefs. Then the referees came in and said that they stopped the clock. Nobody heard a whistle. The Chiefs got the play over again, and that's where the Eli Apple uh, in- interference came Ultimately, the Bengals got the ball back, so it didn't really hurt them. But there was right. timing difficulties there, and you know people don't want to hear about that. They they want a game that's going to be clean. They don't want to be talking about referees. They don't want to be talking about uh, replays and things of that nature. I, I overly do not have a problem with the way the game was called, but I do know that if you are a Bengal fan, you're going to think that that game was stolen from you because some of the calls that didn't go – against the Kansas City Chiefs that you felt should have been called. Well, guess what? Bengal fan, you also had the ball twice in the fourth quarter, and your man couldn't get it done. Period. End of story. Let's get to it. We've got a Super Bowl. We've got Eagles. We've got Chiefs. Boomer and I are going to do a look ahead here. We'll save the deep stuff for next week. It is kickoff with Boomer Valenti. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, back to kickoff with Boomer Esiason and Mike Valenti. All right, we got a Super Bowl to talk about. Eagles, Chiefs, the line on open. Now, I'll give you the betting numbers, guys. We're not going to do picks until next week. And next week, I'll try to throw some props in there, too, because I don't love them, but boy, does America love them. Chiefs laying a point and a half. Excuse me, Eagles laying a point and a half to the Chiefs. Boomer, I start with this. I know as a fan... And a radio host. I hate the two-week gap. I hate the bye week. I like championship game. Let's play a Super Bowl. I want your perspective, though. I mean, over the years, A, do you like it? And B, what impact does it have in your mind as a player? Well, you know, for us as players, you know, I went through this, and we did have the two-week gap there. Um, I was one of the first VJs on MTV, by the way, during that first week. I just want to put that out there. Way back when in 1989. Um, but what were you spinning Cindy Lauper records or something like on? that? I forget what I was doing. I think it was uh, Madonna records or something. But we gotta have Al. We gotta have Al Dukes get video of this. Gotta that find that somewhere. Exist. Yes. Um, you know, for the players and for the teams in general, there's a lot of things to get straight, and most of the stuff that you uh, 
are going to have in the game plan is going to be put in the first week, and then the second week is going to be a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of tweaks, a lot of reminders, that kind of thing on the practice field. But there's a lot of logistics that go on here. Who needs tickets? How many tickets do you get? How many family members are coming? Where are the family members staying? You have no idea how much goes into this. Now, the NFL loves it because it's two weeks of discussion about you know, the, the, the Super Bowl and promoting it and all that other stuff. So I, I actually kind of enjoyed it. And it also gives any guy that has an injury like Patrick Mahomes or like Jalen Hurts or anybody else maybe a chance to come back and play in this game just simply because they'll get an extra seven or eight days of treatment, which is a really valuable time for those guys that are hurt. So I think it's a combination of two things. It's the PR part. It's the logistics part for the teams and the players. But it's also a safety thing for players to get healthy and hopefully be at their best once they step on that field on uh, come Sunday night. So you mentioned Mahomes. Let's just get right to it, I guess. I mean, look, obviously he didn't help himself by playing. It was incredibly gutty. But whatever work they did to make him feel pretty good, boy, he obliterated that on the field. So when you look at the two weeks, and as a guy who battled through injuries, I mean – Booms, is five hours of treatment a day, two straight weeks, really? Is that feasible? And what do you think they can get done with this this ankle? Well, they'll try to do the best they can to get as much uh, swelling out of there and try to loosen it up as best they can. It looked like he had some sort of special taping done on on the foot. And you know what? His... uh, you know, just his overall competitive desire uh, just took over, especially at the in the fourth quarter when he was running with the football. It didn't even look like he had a problem with that ankle. And then he gets thrown to the ground and gets up and runs back onto the field. So yeah. whatever you want to call it, uh, it seemed like it. You know, his superhuman abilities to overcome that um, certainly showed itself. But again, like I said earlier in the in in this show, they uh, the Eagles have seventy eight sacks going into this game. And if they get four more sacks in this game, then they will have the most sacks in the history of the NFL during a season and playoffs combined, uh, being right there with the Chicago Bears of 84 and 85, I believe. So, I mean, this is going to be a test for him because the Eagles get after your ass. And then when they get there, as Brock Purdy found out and other quarterbacks have found out, including Daniel Jones, uh, it's not a very nice thing. See, and that's the other thing for me is everyone's going to focus on Mahomes' ankle. But I have to look at the wide receivers. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster. Kadarius Tony's been hurt uh, basically his entire career. And then just overall, Boomer, my fear is who can be counted on besides Travis Kelsey on the perimeter for that team. And if he doesn't have his players, look, ultimate respect to the Bengals and Anaromo and what they do, but this is an entirely different type of, of assignment. And if you don't have your guys – Boomer, he's going to get killed back there. Well, he may, but you know he is—he's kind of indestructible, honestly. And uh, <laughs> you saw—you saw that the week before against Jacksonville. I mean, yeah. when his ankle was really bothering him, Patrick Mahomes was able to throw off of his front foot, and he was still leaping in the air. So again, this is why I think we all have so much respect for him. And if there's anybody that will ever catch Tom Brady, if that's even possible, if he even plays that long. It would be Patrick Mahomes just simply because of the brilliance of him and Andy Reid together in their offense. So uh, he's superhuman, I'm telling you, Mike. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there and and plays his best game of the season and puts up huge numbers against this defense. I The defense hasn't seen a quarterback like this. Let's face it. They, they saw Brock Purdy and Daniel Jones. I mean, you are right. seeing you're, – you're seeing, uh, you know, this is – this. we haven't seen a player that is able to do what he has done – over the first five years of his career. I mean, it's ridiculous how good he is. 
so let's let let's do this both ways then. I guess start out in your mind. If you're Sirianni, all right, celebration's over. We're done climbing poles and doing all the stuff. <laughs> what what is the first thing you look at in preparation for this game? Trying to keep him in the pocket, you know, and telling your defense. And they do have a deep defensive line, and you know they added in Dominican Sue, and he obviously had an impact last week with Josh Johnson's injury, but. Uh, it's it's trying to keep him in the pocket. When he gets out of the pocket, he really is dangerous. Now, when you look at the stat- statistics uh, over his career, you'll see a lot of plays made from the pocket. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a great pocket passer. He knows how to manipulate the pocket. But where the really big plays come and the ones that really break your back is when he leaves uh, the pocket like he did at the end of the game against Cincinnati. So when you play a guy like this, it's always about trying to keep him you know, in between the numbers. Don't let him get outside the numbers, and you have to have your gap control because he'll step up as well. But that's what makes him so great, and that what, and that's really truly what makes him so difficult to defend. So I know the Eagles have a lot of speed on defense, much like the Bengals did, and the Bengals only gave up 23 points. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is it's really going to be a tough game for Patrick. There's no question about that just because Philly always makes it tough on quarterbacks this year. And uh, but I just don't think that Philly, you know, has seen a guy like Patrick in the last four or five weeks. So this will be a little bit of a wake up call for their defense as well. All right. So you're Andy Reid. First thing when you're done, cheeseburgers done. You've celebrated. You've enjoyed yourself. First thing you do planning for this. Wow, I'm I'm telling my defense we got to stop the run, guys. They're just running over people on on offense, and you know that's with Miles Sanders. Uh, that's with Boston Scott, and of course Jalen's a part of that. But when they really want to run the ball, this offensive line has been dominating people, and that's the the big difference between you know the Eagles and the Bengals. The Bengals had three fifths of their starting offensive line gone. The Eagles yep. have their entire starting offensive line, and Lane Johnson, as you said earlier, was amazing in this game against Nick Bosa. But I think the 49ers realized that they didn't have a chance once they lost Brock Purdy. So. I don't know what the take of that particular performance, but I know this, that if you are Andy Reid and you're looking at this offensive line, you're saying to yourself, you know what, we have got to stop the run and we've got to force Jalen Hurts to try to beat us throwing the football from the pocket. And, you know, that's where I think if Kansas City wins, we'll look back on it and we'll say they were able to do that. They were able to control him in the pocket and forcing him to throw from that pocket to his two great wide receivers, don't get me wrong, but he's not Joe Burrow. No, and I mean, it's easy for for me to say. I just I immediately look at it and I go, look, if I'm going to lose this game, I'm going to lose it with Jalen Hurts beating me with 300 yards passing. I will not allow four and a half yards of carry, massive time of possession differential. I just, I can't. And I mean, you could still try. I mean, Boomer, you don't see offensive lines like what Philly has in modern football. It's too expensive. It's too hard. I mean, hell, they drafted Maialata in the sixth or seventh round, whatever it was. Like, you, you, It's so hard to put a group like this together. But then you combine the talent with the scheme with a dual-threat quarterback they can bring you the read option game. Boomer, I, that's going to be the biggest thing for me is, okay, can Kansas City stand in? Because if they can't and they fall behind – that's where I worry for for Mahomes and and that front holding up. Yeah, and I would just say though, if there is a quarterback that can come from behind, 
it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's done it before. You know, we saw that game against Houston, and you know, the Eagles aren't the Houston Texans a few years back in the in the playoffs for sure. But I, I would just say that this quarterback can pretty much do anything he wants on the football field. You know, the the other thing when I'm when I'm really thinking about this is, you know, you think about the Eagles wide receivers against those rookies in the secondary. And yeah. I know that these wide receivers are kind of frustrated right now because they're not putting up big numbers, and yet the team is still winning, so they got to be careful about how much they bitch and complain about not getting the ball. I felt like Philadelphia early in the game last week really wanted to get A.J. Brown involved in the game because he was chirping yeah. after the game against the Giants. And you know that they're frustrated, and you know that this is you know the big stage, and they want to show their stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how Nick Sirianni handles that part of it because you know selfish players can be a problem and they don't want to be selfish they just want the ball but now it's the Super Bowl and everybody's going to be watching so that's also something that these coaches have got to deal with and they've got to deal with the personalities of the players and making sure that these players are somewhat happy and that they're going to be you know the effective players that they should be yeah it's it's interesting too because when you like, I, I haven't made a determination on, like, game flow and kind of how this will play out. I know you think it's going to be a shootout, and you might be right. I know for Super Bowl it's going to be more entertaining. Uh, only geeks like me enjoy 20-17. to 17. But, like, I just – I look at that Kansas City secondary, and you're right. The minute Sneed went out of that game and you got McDuffie falling all over the place, somebody get that kid a pair of cleats, please. Like – I just, you're right in this regard. As big of the line of scrimmage advantage that exists for Philly, when you look at skill players, wide receivers, and tight ends against that Kansas City back four or back seven, if you want to include Bolton and Gay, fine. Boomer, you might be right. I mean, that it, you could see some explosives. Uh, because it, you you know what's going to happen. Kansas City is going to come after you. And again, it's not Justin Herbert. It's not uh, Trevor Lawrence. That this is you know this is a dual threat quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And uh, you know I can see Jalen breaking contain and throwing the ball down the field and for you know like an eighty yard touchdown. I, I could definitely see that in this game um, because you know Joe Burrow is not a move guy. Although he did move a little bit against Kansas City. Uh, this is a completely different set of circumstances with Jalen. Jalen loves to get out of the pocket. He loves to look downfield. And, you know, this is where if you are a young cornerback, you better stay with your guys because these guys, the moment, and, and every cornerback should know this, and sometimes they just lose their place on the field, especially younger cornerbacks. Anytime the quarterback is running to his receiver on the sideline, that sideline receiver is told to turn it up and go. And, you know, and give the quarterback an opportunity to throw the ball down the field that way. And that's where, you know, big plays like this have happened for the Eagles throughout the year. Now, it hasn't had to happen in the playoffs just simply because the Eagles have dominated both of the previous two teams. But in this game, that may not be the case. So I would think that there's going to be big plays down the field from broken plays and plays with Jalen getting out of the pocket. Yeah, and the other thing, too, you you – I got a hard time believing KC's going to be able to run it. We know what they're going to want to do to take Philly's runaway. Boomer, maybe you see another 80 passes between these two. <laughs> you know what I mean? I if hope so. You start breaking tendencies and you start, hey, it's first and 10 and we're going to go hard play action, a lot of that read option, pull it. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you might be right. Maybe it ends up just a classic shootout on this deal. I just worry if Kansas City's one-dimensional from the go. That scares me. You know, there, there's just, another side story to this whole thing, too. And, and I don't sure. want to overlook this because it is a big deal. 
you know, we have the first time ever that both quarterbacks are black in this in this Super Bowl. And I think it is a story, and I think it's a great story, and I think it shows just how far the, the, the league has come over the last 25 years that we don't really even think about it anymore. Nobody really talks about it. But the fact that this is the first time that two quarterbacks, uh, you know, of the same background are going to be playing against each other is kind of a cool thing, I think, for the league. And I think certainly for somebody like Jalen Hurts, nobody thought that this was going to be the case when he was drafted by the Eagles. And two years into his career, nobody really thought that he was going to be a Super Bowl quarterback. And it's a rags-to-riches story if you really look at it and look at who he is and where he's come from and the expectations that were placed on him when he first got drafted by the Eagles to get to this point is saying a lot about the young man and who he is from a competitive standpoint. We all know who Patrick Mahomes is, but uh, Jalen Hurts deserves a lot of credit for getting himself to this point where you know if he can win this game and come away with a potential MVP because I think he'll have that opportunity, uh, I, you know, I can't wait to see his next contract because he'll have earned it. Oh, yeah, big time. No, and again, I think as a side note, too, from a football perspective, it shows you the evolution offensively. I mean, these are these are true elite athletes playing the position, moving the pocket, RPO game, can hurt you with their arms in the pocket, can hurt you with their legs out of it. It just shows you how college football has evolved and how the NFL, to its credit, which can be a stubborn place, um, has evolved with it and the expectations you have to have of your quarterback if you're going to win big. So, no, noted and, and and you're spot on with it. All right, let's do this. We have league issues galore, and we're probably going to need to just give Boomer the room for about 10 minutes when we talk Brady. I'll go get a cup of coffee and it'll, it'll all be all right. Uh, we'll get to all the news and notes. It is kickoff with Boomer and Valenny next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, back to Kickoff with Boomer Esiason and Mike Valenti. All right, so as promised, uh, we have got a ton of issues. That's why this league is so great. That's why we love football. The offseason has become just another version of the regular season. So with that, clearly the number one issue, Tom Brady, uh, out of nowhere, alone on a beach, uh, retired. I guess, Boomer, are you surprised not only that he retired, but are you surprised at the timeline, that it was this quick of a decision? You know, I, I, I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I think we all think we know what's going on in his personal life, but I got to believe it's just been so taxing to get through all of the things that he's had to get through and do it in the middle of a season and still get his team to the playoffs, which is nothing short of a miracle. Um, from, a, from a person who respects and appreciates him being the greatest of all time, I wish he would have played one more year, and I and I wish that, and I'm hoping still that Kyle Shanahan picks up the phone and says, "Tom, oh, God. come to San Francisco, we'll win a Super Bowl." I mean, because that's all they're really missing. And uh, I just all I know is this: uh, every time I've interviewed him, every time I've covered him, he's always been straight with me. He's always been honest with me. He's always given me the the time and the effort that I would need as a as an analyst to talk about his team and talk about his game. 
Um, and I think he's always been a great ambassador for the game. I know there are fans out there that are not happy with him because of Deflate Gate and Spy Gate and all that other stuff. But you know what? At the end of the day, he played in 48 playoff games, which is essentially two and a half years of a career when you think about it. And he was 35 and 13 in those games. I don't think we'll ever see anybody remotely come close to those uh, numbers. But um, I was a little disappointed. But I understand that maybe he feels like he needs to be with his kids and he needs to get his uh, second career going. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, also, too, Boomer alluding to it, he's got a uh, 10-year, $375 million deal awaiting when he decides to go to the booth. Um, so, all right, you brought up the Niners. Let I'll, I'll shuffle the deck here. Niners, Kyle Shanahan came out says, hey, I don't see any scenario where Jimmy G returns. Okay. Purdy's going to be out at least six months with this UCL injury. We have no holy clue with Trey Lance's. Boomer, set the table for what that quarterback room looks like week one next year. What what do you think they're going to do? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they got to bring somebody in um, on a short-term basis, and I'm not really even sure who that would be. Uh, all, the, the thing that was really shocking to me was listening to Kyle Shanahan basically say that there was no scenario where Jimmy G returns and how emphatically he said it, which makes right. me think, why the hell would I want that guy on my team if he's a free agent? And if you're the Jets and you're thinking that Jimmy G is a potential for your team, I, you would think no. that Rob Sala would take a key from the guy that he worked with and said, you know what, let's stay away from Jimmy G, which is shocking to me. And then, of course, they got to you know, give Nick Bosa a contract. Um, which is going to take up a big portion of this salary cap because he's going to get a I lot of money. I think he's $25 million a year, Boomer. I, I, I would think you're probably right around that number. And you know what? If you're a player and you're coming into the third or fourth year of your contract and you are playing the best at your position, a la Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Nick Bosa, uh, T. Higgins, this is the year that you want to be a free agent or yeah. signing a new contract because there's a lot of money to be had. Well, and, and again, for the Bosa thing, I, guys, I, I didn't flippantly throw the number out, but like with whether you're a quarterback or if you're a very special defensive player, you're going to redefine what it costs to have that player on the roster. And for Bosa, look, we've seen Aaron Donald or DeForest Buckner come in at like 21.2, something like that. If you're Nick Bosa and his representation, you are going to the Niners and going, here's the deal. I'm the most complete defensive end in football. I can stop the run, I stop the pass, and I bring it every play. I, I live right. I ain't bothering nobody off the field. You're going to pay me five at 125. And if you're not, well, somebody else will. And that's why. I mean, he, he's going to redefine what it costs to have an elite defensive end. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, I think, he deserves it. Yeah, he does. And I think Aaron Donald signed a three-year, $95 million contract extension, and he had... I think an average salary of $31 million. So I'm telling you right now, Nick Bosa is going to be looking at that contract, and that's going to be his comp, by the way. And, you know, oh and that's going oh to be – so it may even be more than $25 million. I'm telling you, some of these numbers, defensive tackles, defensive ends, and quarterbacks in, in this cycle are going to get paid a ton of money. And good for them. They deserve it. I'm not – uh, knocking any of this, I'm just saying this is the realities of it with, with a $225 million salary cap for each of these teams. And remember, I think, you know, if you look at Aaron Donald, he's probably somewhere around 13 to 14% of the salary cap for the Rams. 
Sounds um, right. Maybe a little bit less than that. I think Nick Bosa is looking at that as well. So he's going to say, hey, I, w- I want to be 13 to 14% of the salary cap, which means it's going to be north of $30 million. Uh, go to the Broncos for a minute. It, it, what I, I thought it was a wild process, but I guess it doesn't matter if you end up with the guy. Sean Payton is going to be the next coach of the Broncos. They're going to give up a 2023 first. They got that in the Bradley Chubb deal. They're giving up a 2024 second. Boomer, first of all, the process, a little weird, wanted your read on it. And then Peyton, the right guy for the gig. He was the number one guy out there. They got a quarterback they've got to fix. Uh, it seems like they got the right man. I think so, too, even though supposedly, depending on who you're listening to, whether it be Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, uh, D'Amico Ryans was going to be their guy. He, that's the guy that they yeah. really wanted. But I understand D'Amico wanting to go back to Houston where he played and he knows the city, knows the organization, knows he sees a lot of young players on that team, knows he's going to get a rookie quarterback at the top of the draft, uh, and he's going to get a lot more, you know, I think, control there because of what's going on in, in Denver and not wanting to have to deal with Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson and D'Amico Ryans basically played against each other. Right. So why, you know, why would D'Amico want that as his quarterback? He wants to start over, and I totally understand the decision that he made. And I think this is good for the Broncos for a number of reasons. And I think you and I have talked about these reasons. Number one, it gives them re- uh, relevancy once again at the head coaching position. So that means their fans, their sponsors, and anybody who supports the Broncos have got to be really, really happy. And number two, dealing with Russell Wilson and nuancing this whole thing and dealing with all the crap that goes on with Russell Wilson, you know, Sean Payton's not going to be down with that. He's not going to be political. He's got to get in his face and he's going to say, this is the way we're doing it. Uh, the the ownership has paid me to come in here and to straighten this out, and it's going right. to start with you. So I think he has the credibility to do that. Yeah, and and just on the the portion you talked about with D'Amico Ryan's, I I'm not very nice to the Texans generally because I think they thrive in chaos. I I thought that was a great hire. I think it's a great move. I think it gives them some credibility. They got to give the man time. I think they've been an embarrassment with what they've done the last two years with one-and-done coaches. But you have to remember, they, though, look, Mike, you have to, you have to remember, they, they had to get out from underneath the Deshaun Watson nonsense, the DeAndre Hopkins nonsense. They, they finally have come out from all of that, and now they're going to start fresh with a guy who played with for them who's very popular in their city, and I'm sure their fan base is elated that he's coming back to clean this whole thing up or to actually finally – yeah, finally getting a team that has been cleaned up and had not to deal with all the other nonsense that the, the previous coaches have had to deal with. Yeah, and he gives them some credibility. To, I mean, he was their defensive captain for like a decade. Yeah. I mean, his nickname's Cap and Miko. So, like, yeah, I believe me, I think it's one of the few things they've done right in a long time. Let's go to the Packers. Reports saying there is a, quote, growing preference to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Even one piece, Boomer. Do it. This is the most Packer thing of all, though, you know, crying poor financial woes. I don't know that I buy that, but are are we comfortable saying Aaron Rodgers is not going to be a Packer week one, 2023? Yeah, I think I think where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, the interesting thing is listening to Aaron react to all of this stuff that is out there because he's basically saying on his Pat McAfee podcast that, uh, you know, all of this talk about me and nobody's hearing from me and what I want. And I think that this contract is written so that he can be traded. And if the Jets want to go all in for him and he's willing to come to New York, uh, I think that that could happen. He could also end up going to Tennessee. I know he has a house down in uh, Nashville. I know he likes it down there. I'm sure he likes 
Uh, Mike Vrabel, you know, the Jets hiring of Nathaniel Hackett's very interesting because obviously uh, he thinks the world of Nathaniel Hackett. So that also could be part and parcel of what's going on here. But I don't, I don't, I, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback of the Packers. I think he's going to end up with an AFC team. It could be Vegas. It could be the Jets or it could be ten, uh, uh, Tennessee. And no, no shot. I have to, no shot going home. Niners missing piece. I don't think they can afford them. I, I don't. I think I, – I don't want to say no shot. Uh, the, the, the Niners would obviously have to give up assets to get him and then figure out a way to pay him and pay yeah. guys like Nick Bosa. They paid Debo Samuel last week – I mean last year. The other thing I would worry about just with Aaron is that if I'm going to go after him – I need to know that he's going to give me at least two to three years, kind of like Tom Brady did with Tampa Bay. And the yeah. thing that I appreciate about Tom and going to Tampa, when he went there, he immersed himself immediately into the entire uh, organization, You know, got Derek Jeter's house down there, started practicing with the wide receivers, convinced Gronk to come with him, and really made Bruce Arians uh, you know, into you know a Super Bowl-winning coach uh, because of the way that Tom Brady carries himself. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers does that as well. Cover both sides of this for me. Cowboys, Chargers, McCarthy, they get rid of Kellen Moore. Now he's calling plays. I don't like that at all. And then Kellen Moore going to L.A. to be the guy to save Justin Herbert. <laughs> uh, talk, talk to me both ends of this little swap. Okay, so I like this for Justin Herbert because I think you got a younger guy and Kellen was a former quarterback. And, look, maybe his time came to an end with Dak and they just couldn't figure out a better way to get Dak uh, unleashed, and maybe Mike McCarthy saved his own job by saying that I need to start calling the plays, and it's one of the reasons why they let Kellen Moore walk. But uh, I could see Kellen and Justin Herbert really developing a great relationship. So that may be a, a good thing for Justin Herbert and a really good thing for Kellen Moore to get out from underneath the Cowboys stuff because if, if things go south next year, they're going to get oh, blown out of there anyway. So McCarthy calling plays. Come on. Yeah, I don't know really? why that why that's become such a big important thing unless of course Mike McCarthy said to Jerry Jones, "Look, I'm not calling the plays. I'm letting Kellen do his thing." And Jerry Jones says, "Okay, well, look, I want you now calling plays. This is why I brought you here." So, this this is the way the Cowboys have decided to go and it's all I think pressure from Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones to get more out of Mike McCarthy and hopefully get more out of Dak Prescott in these bigger games. All right, two questions. We get less than two minutes, so I'm going to fire these your way. Colts, is this entire process nothing more than a facade so they can hire Jeff Saturday? I don't think what so. What the hell are they doing? I don't know, but again, you know, buyer beware or coach beware. Um, yeah. I, I just think that this is a, a franchise that obviously needs a quarterback, but I don't think it's a, a stable place for anybody to take over. And if they go with Jeff Saturday, that will tell you just how unstable it is. All right, and this one's for you. This is a belated holiday gift. Did you see the quotes from your man, Urban Meyer? <laughs> I did. Was a, this, is, uh, this is a softball right here for you. He was asked about the Jaguars' turnaround, and this guy's lack of self-awareness is remarkable. Quote, they have a lot of different players from when I was there. They did a really good job in free agency. Yeah, or they had an adult in the room, Urban. I, I just I thought of you immediately when I saw that, and your head just exploding. Exactly. They had a real NFL coach with real NFL experience who's been in the league for 25 or 20 years, however long Doug Peterson's been around, and he got the best out of a second-year 
uh, Trevor Lawrence. But I will agree with Urban that they did spend a lot of money. They spent about $170 million on free agents, and those players all came through. But they all came through, and they all wanted to go there because of the new coach that they hired because Doug Peterson is a legitimate NFL guy. So I know Urban is going to say some weird things, and it's going to come off wrong. But in, in actuality, it really came down to Doug Peterson getting the best out of everybody, including their young quarterback. And you can consider that Boomer's final word, hand-delivered by me. Next week, complete Super Bowl coverage. All that and more on Kickoff with Boomer and Valenti. It's Kickoff with, with Boomer and Valenti.